Hello and welcome to another episode of Retrovaniacs. This is the first Retrovaniacs of 2016, and we did miss an episode we were supposed to do at the end of last year. We said we were going to do for Christmas, a Die Hard Trilogy, but just because of the holidays and everyone's schedule, we couldn't get together and, and make the timing work out. So instead of doing a bad episode, which is I actually did record and thankfully deleted, uh, where I try to do a show by myself, we decided just to skip the week for the holiday. We come back strong in 2016, uh, not just with a brand new show, but also totally skipping Die Hard trilogy. Maybe we'll hit it next Christmas, but instead this week we're going back to the TurboGrafx 16 again for JJ and Jeff. But before we get to that wonderful classic game, what have we been playing since last time? I forgot to introduce everybody. <laughs> surely they know by now that's true well you know what i'm probably not going to edit that out i'm going to keep it in uh <laughs> we'll ask what we've been playing to each other i will ask first jeremy gregory jeremy what have you been playing since last time hey guys it's it's been a while i, I don't even remember what what i was playing last time i think me and billy were playing fallout 4 back then yeah um not much has changed i, I did beat fallout 4 got through it and continue to play it um, great game. I, I love that game. We'll talk about it later. But what, I, uh, what I've been playing recently, as in the last couple of days, has been Shovel Knight. I, I saw that on sale on the Xbox One store for their Christmas holiday sale. Um, grabbed it since I am dumb and never played it back when it first came out. Uh, and, and it's really good. I, I, I feel like I'm really late to this party by saying that Shovel Knight is really good, but... Uh, Shovel Knight's really good. I'm pretty sure you guys have, have both played it, so I don't. I think I'm preaching to the choir here. I definitely played. it. I think I may have talked about it in one of the first episodes we did, or mm-hmm. or else maybe before we actually started formally recording. I may have said, "Hey guys, I want to talk about Shovel Knight," and I think you said you hadn't played it yet, so we held off on it. But yeah, Shovel Knight is excellent. It's it's one of the best not honest Nintendo games that would ever be on the Nintendo. I mean, it's it's clearly got some newer game mechanics in it, but it's a totally two-button action, 8-bit-looking arcade game, uh, or I mean, uh, like Mega Man-style uh, adventure game. It's it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I, I really like them taking the whole uh, the, the DuckTales-style gameplay and, and putting it into a more action-based game. Um, it, it works out really well, and and so I'm I'm kind of I think I'm about halfway through that at this point. Probably going to put that away by the next show. And the only other game that I've been playing was another game that I actually got on the Xbox One sale, and that is Ori and the Blind Forest. And I feel like such an asshole for not picking this game up back uh, when it came out. Uh, this is probably one of the best Metroidvania games I've played since Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It just every aspect of it, it. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. It's got a you know a, a charming story and, and characters that go along with it. Uh, also, really strangely hard. You don't expect that from a game these days, I guess. Um, but I'm really enjoying that and playing through it. Um, I don't. I don't know if Billy grabbed that or not, but uh, definitely worth your time. Yeah, I, I certainly plan to. Uh, it's not often that Jeremy heaps heaps praise upon something, so I usually have to take notice when he does. And I, I just don't know why I ignored it back when it came out, but uh, finally saw it on sale, and, and I just feel like just a giant asshole for, for not picking that up when it came out and, and supporting that game when it did come out. But it, it is, uh, it, it's more than worth your time and, and just a, a great Metroidvania-style game. Yeah, that, that's one. I, I don't have a PS4 or an Xbox One. That, that's a game that, you know, if I had one of the newer systems that could play it, or I would have had it immediately. That's the kind of game I immediately find myself playing anything that's the you know a metroidvania style game that's 2d um you know i'm i'm there day one and so that's when as soon as i finally get one of the new systems i will probably get that immediately should we start like a bet to see like like how long it's going to take you to actually get a ps4 and xbox one uh, depending like, on what happens in my in my real life uh, regarding my job maybe a long time we'll find out <laughs> find out uh, some point uh, when I start recording these every day, because I have a lot of free time. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but uh, but right now, I, I really think I'll have a PS4 at some point soon. Uh, there, there's definitely enough games coming out this year that I want. But before we even get to what I played, Billy Holiday, what have you been playing? Well, and before I get into that, I think 
uh, about the episode we missed. We can all uh, just be honest with the reasoning for that. Uh, these two guys, after the last episode, I just can't pull them away from Mansion of Hidden Souls. They just, I couldn't get them away from it enough to get together to record. So I want to apologize on their behalf. Well, I was busy uh, trying to cr- transcribe that uh, the plot summary that the guy yells at you in the basement you couldn't make out. It's just I spent months and months on it now, and I just can't piece it together. So it's your work's appreciated, but I I have uh, uh, much like Jeremy, not much has changed. I played through Fallout Four. Uh, I finished it up, and of course continued on and plan in the near future to start a. Uh, another playthrough and, and you know make some different choices and whatnot uh i also i uh, picked up uh or was given an xbox one uh for christmas and i immediately uh, the day after that picked up that rare replay collection yeah uh, jeremy gregory uh, you hear the cheers from the background that he uh was so adamant about my picking up and i have to say i have thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it uh, I think it's the best collection of old games put together uh, for a console yet. I, I played a little bit of some of the earlier games, including a skiing game, because I, I'm instantly hooked on any type of a skiing game, uh, no matter how simple the mechanics of it are. I've started the original uh, Banjo-Kazooie, which I never played. And I also I gave Blast Corps a try, and I want to say, I, I feel it needs to be said, on the, the Rare Replay edition of it, they have cleaned up the graphics a bit, and they have tightened down the controls, and I found it still not a great game, but much more enjoyable. So you'd say the control is better than on the N64? Because I, I only did play it on the N64, and, and I didn't have a major problem with the controls except for the dump truck, but everything else was, was much tighter, I guess? Uh, everything else was, and I, I, like I told Jeremy when I was, uh, when I, was uh, I had this revelation that it was so much better on there, on the 64, the dump truck, I could pull that move off one out of ten times. On here, uh, about four out of ten. So that, that's an that's a drastic improvement. Yes. I, I think that goes along with just it, it running at 60 frames per second. And I did ask Billy, I, I, you know, is, did the frame rate really make that big of a difference on the Nintendo 64 version? Because I never played it, just watched some videos, but you can't really tell unless you play it yourself. Um, but apparently it, it does make a, a big difference. It does. Well, the N64 controller in general, I, I was never a huge fan of. I know some people will swear by that it's one of the best controllers ever made, but I always thought it was a little wonky. So I can see playing it, if you didn't have an N64 before uh, or play it much before or played it in years, that you'd find using a regular Xbox controller much, much tighter for a game of any style. So I can see that. Well, there are still people out there that, that swear that the Dreamcast controller is the <laughs> best controller ever, and they are completely wrong. Um, and the 64 controller is is also mostly garbage. So, I, I imagine being being able to play that game on a much better controller with with a high, with a higher frame rate is a more enjoyable experience than playing it on the original Nintendo 64. We can fight about that Dreamcast controller comment some other time because <laughs> I don't want to talk about that today because we're not going to talk about the Dreamcast at all. Uh, really on this podcast. It's too far into the future of what we're going to cover. But since last time, I haven't played much else. Uh, I've been working a lot. So uh, when I last show, I talked about how we how I just started playing Xenoblade Chronicles X. I put a lot more time into it. I think I'm about 30 to 40 hours into it right now. I did get my mech, uh, which they call skills. And and a lot of people said they didn't really enjoy the game until they got their skill. I don't really see that because it's not like the game drastically changes, but it's almost like in any other MMO when you get a mount, right? It, it changes the ability for you to go places very quickly. You can skip over some things you couldn't have skipped before, maybe um, get to some areas you couldn't normally get to, but it doesn't change drastically how the game plays. Uh, the only thing I'd say is that it allows you to fight some things without getting other people involved that you couldn't have fought alone, but not, not like it ramps up your power by 10 or 15 times. It basically just means you can take some more damage and your mech will actually immobilize single units at times so that the rest of your team can kind of just unload on things. But uh, I, I really like it. I mean, if I wouldn't have played an MMO before ever, I probably wouldn't quite get what it was doing. But it's it's basically the best parts of World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV uh, without the actual need to talk to any other individuals at all, 
which is a bonus for me and my weird times I'm available to play. You know, I can play for at 5 a.m. till 6 a.m. Well, no one's online then, but I don't need anyone to be online. As long as you've ever done anything on the game, uh, it actually kind of has group goals that everyone works towards. So it, it, it works out nicely without having to deal with people. You can do some things live with other people, but it's not... It's more like missions. Once you go into a mission, you can find other people. Otherwise, you don't see live people in your game. The only other... I guess game that's that I've played that's been set up like this was probably I guess Final Fantasy X, where it was set up more like an MMO than a traditional RPG. So I mean, does this does this kind of do the same as Final Fantasy X, well, where it's uh, no wait, not Final Fantasy X. What am I talking about? Um, what Final Fantasy twelve? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Mm. It's like ten's uh, the least MMO like game I can think of. Yeah, so. no, no, no. It was twelve. <laughs> it's the one where you can you've got the the kind of big city and you get like uh, the contracts to go out and kill beasts and and it's kind of a very open world feeling. I'm pretty sure it's twelve. It's twelve. Um, but is you know is it kind of in that same vein or are we just talking just straight up? We're we're trying to be an an MMO, uh, something like Kingdoms of Amalur. It's a straight up MMO style game. I mean, there's there's definitely mission quests that move the story along, but there there's probably only a handful of those and in between them are huge level gaps like you'll finish the third mission and you'll be level 10 or whatever and to even accept the fourth mission that moves the story along you have to be level 20 and have finished these other mini missions you find in the town uh in the, well, the city so it forces you to go out and explore the map and uh, you don't have to do a lot of the missions except for the few that drive the story along but you'll want to do them because if you don't and you just go out and kill things to level it's going to take you years but uh but you can do whatever you want. I mean, the game is kind of designed so that you can either explore and you'll kind of solve quests while you explore automatically. Like if there's a, a quest to kill, uh, they call them tyrants. It's kind of a large boss monster that is in certain quadrants of the game. You'll clear that part of the map out as if you had finished the quest, even if you never found the quest. So you can you can do enough things by just exploring and killing everything that you could make some progress, but if you also take the quest at the same time, I mean, you'll fly through levels. I'll just be fooling around. I'll get three or four levels while I'm trying. But it's exactly set up like an MMO. I mean, it's without those story quests, it's just you go to a message board, and there are missions you can take, and then you go out and you explore different quadrants of the map you've not been to before to finish those those missions, and a lot of time they take you to a point where you find other missions. But it's, it's very good, but it's... It's definitely, if you don't like the way MMOs are set up and you don't like pointless gather quests, this may not be the game for you, despite that it looks amazing. And, uh, and, and is, it has kind of my favorite parts of MMOs rolled into one game. So, Still definitely going to check it out. I, I do enjoy those kinds of games put into a single-player space where I can enjoy that stuff without having to worry about dozens of other people playing around me. So I, I, I definitely still intend to pick that up. Well, the, the one thing they did with multiplayer that I like is that in, while you're doing your regular missions, instead of uh, having everyone else run around, you know, that you see live and, and get in the way or whatever, you'll go to specific parts of the map and you'll see people standing there. But they are they look like NPCs, but clearly they aren't NPCs because the rest of the NPCs have more involved names than just like, you know, Thomas 14. But you'll go up to Thomas 14 and it's it's that person's character. It stays in your game for, you know, a few minutes. You can uh, have them join your group and then they just act with the same logic that the NPCs have, but you basically can can find someone that has a different skill set than you've got because you can look at their entire character and hire them, essentially, for the next few 10, 15 minutes. So there's, yeah. there's some neat tie-ins with other people without being forced to actively act with them, uh, although there are missions where you can basically sign on and go on these, these almost instance quests with other people like World of Warcraft had. Either way, that's all I've been playing, though. I mean, I, every minute I can play something, it's either been that or uh, or Binding of Isaac, which pretty much I've logged more hours into than anything else in 2015. We'll see if that continues into this year. But I did take a break from playing it to play this week's game, JJ and Jeff for the TurboGrafx-16. owned as well. Uh, I don't know why I keep picking TurboGrafx games I own. There were many, many that I didn't own that I would love to play. 
But uh, but this week's game, I was hoping, would convince Jeremy and Billy to give the Turbo Graphics another good chance. You know, uh, with with each of these childhood games you revealed to us, I'm getting a glimpse into your childhood, and it explains a lot. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Well, JJ and Jeff is another, uh, much like Keith Courage and Alpha Zones we had talked up about uh, before, that was another game based on a property we never got to see in the United States. And JJ and Jeff is exactly the same uh, situation. It's The original game was called Kato and Ken, uh, and it's based on, loosely based on, uh, a variety show that was out in the mid-1980s in Japan uh, called something like Fun with Kato-Kan and Ken-Chan. And it's essentially like if you took a of a show like Benny Hill or um, Hee Haw or one of those, like it's not really Saturday Night Live, but it was like more of a themed variety show. But then one of the, the very popular segments on the show was they had people from around the country send in their home videos and Cato and Ken would talk over them and make funny comments. They ended up selling that same property to the United States and eventually it became America's Funniest Home Videos. So it's that I can see how they'd be like, well, let's also release this game that was tied into that show. But without any of the background I just gave you, it showed up here with two totally different characters uh, than the original game. They don't look the same. They actually uh, have completely different animations for some of their moves. And they removed a good portion of the, I guess, the flavor of the game while still leaving the essential game exactly the same. Uh, JJ and Jeff, at its core, is a side-scrolling mario style jumping game but you also have the ability to kick uh, about three inches in front of you and you have a spray can attack but you can hurt enemies by spray can by kicking them or by jumping on them and the levels are set up in groups of four at the end of four levels you fight a boss character uh, and then you go to the next set of four levels it's very basic it reminds me a lot of hudson's adventure island or the original wonder boy um but with these two oddball characters that are supposed to be some kind of goofball detectives. You know, uh, now, now I'm going to have in my head the whole time, why didn't we get a hee-haw video game? Now, that could oh. have been exciting. Well, it's a little dated. I mean, if there was hee-haw in, in, in the late 80s, perhaps it would have occurred. But, uh, yeah, that's close. But The same oh, reason this, we don't have a Hogan's Heroes video game. This game, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know where to begin. Uh, maybe with the good. Uh, and this will be the briefest part. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, there there are little rooms you can. Uh, first, I want to start with a, a pro tip, in case you want to, in case you uh, you're rushing off to play this game, uh, then coming back to so you can avoid spoilers. Uh, kick everything, absolutely everything, every item. Uh, just kick the background, even if there's nothing there, because there's all kinds of things that apparently get triggered that way, and and. Uh, and more than one time, there, there are doors kind of scattered throughout the each, I think it's each level had at least one or two. You enter them, and for some reason, uh, you might have like a, a, a bath towel on, or you might have a hood on, or all kinds of different things. And there's always some humorous saying of some sort, and then it refills your health, which is probably the only reason to go there. I found myself actually laughing a time or two. Uh, I think the one that got me was he might be the boss, but he has a fat head. And for some reason, it was just it was the height of comedy at the time that I saw it. So this game did garner amongst the tears. There was one laugh. I got to give it that much. Yeah, I, I yeah, this was one. Uh, it's kind of weird because not too many games back then, if if any, really delved into to trying to be comedy there was just about every game back then was you know just very serious or kind of cartoony or whatever but none of them really used comedy as uh, a, a selling point to the game I, I don't even think i remember anything up until around like earthworm jim uh, that that really kind of you know tried to be a, a funny game and this one is at the very least trying to be funny and it's got some some kind of funny moments so it's not uh you know the, the funniest game ever but no. if my eight-year-old self had played this back then, I would have probably laughed a, a good deal at it. So I, I do give it props for doing something that was incredibly different back then. Yeah, and I think there, there are much funnier games out there, but this one may have the, the, the most frequent urination of any game. 
It yeah. might still have that locked down. It's got a lot of urination. It's got a lot of poop. A lot of uh, you, like you mentioned before, Billy, you kick everything in the level, and a lot of the time coins jump out, or you'll find hidden fruits because as you run through the level. Uh, your health will de- will slowly degrade over time. Plus, if you get it by monsters, and fruit will help refill your health if you can't find one of those doors, or someone sings you a song and, and heals your life. But the oftentimes you'll kick something, and like a cartoonish poop will fall out of it, doing damage to you. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. It's not like it's once in a while. It, I'd say a good third of the time you're kicking things and poop is flying out of it. Which, again, at, at the age that I, I would have played this originally, uh, 10 or 11, would, would have been the funniest game ever. Uh, but it still, at the time, was not a game I could say I logged a whole lot of time on. Uh, I just found it to be very odd, uh, along with the that you just things appear when you kick them and, and, um, and all the little hidden doors and such. It just it seemed very, very repetitive to me at the time. Every level you go through, you go through four sections, then you fight the boss. And that happened enough times where I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to play this anymore. And I had not finished it before uh, the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, but, and this, this kick, I feel like we need to clear the floor so Jeremy Gregory can, <laughs> can speak on this kick. The, the kick is, this whole kick mechanic is, is terrible in the first place. Just the fact that you have to run through these levels and essentially kick everything to find coins or whatever like that. And you, you, you would think, uh, when I first started playing, I was like, ah, oh, these are just little power-ups. But as it turns out, there are certain stages where you have to find a key to make it to the next level. And you only find that key by kicking this shit. So if you miss a key, you're, you're kind of out of luck. I mean, you've got to basically just kick around this entire fucking stage to find a dumbass key to get to the next stage. And I just... I, I don't know why they did this. It doesn't seem like the game needs it at all. I mean, it's very, it's as straightforward as you could possibly be. Um, and then the actual kick itself as an attack is, uh, is almost useless, but you actually have to use it on the bosses because you can't jump on their heads like you can most of the other enemies. So there were definitely times where I would get to that boss and I would just, basically all the bosses in this entire game are the same. I'm sure we'll get to this in a minute. But the hit detection is so weird, and that kick is so bad, that you'll probably die just, you know, even if you know exactly how to beat this boss. And if you play through the game, you've beat him, like, four times anyway. So it's just a terrible, terrible attack, and I, I just don't understand why they put that in the game and didn't focus on just having the jump as the main attack. But that the whole kicking mechanic, the kick itself, it is complete bullshit. Well, it's very small. It it doesn't it it's animated in such a way that it's not like it's a like a roundhouse kick or or some like high kick or like the kung fu kick. Instead it's like it looks almost like you're dancing. Like you just kind of walk forward and one of your legs just flips up and kind of hits things about an inch in front of your character if you're lucky in a certain box. It's it's very hard to pull off effectively on a lot of things. I found other than the bosses, if I didn't have to kick something, I would not. Uh, but I still think as bad as that kick is, it's a thousand times more useful than the spray can attack. You know, the, the spray can, uh, it just, I mean, you duck down, it automatically occurs. I, You know, I did not know. I kept doing it. Like, I, I would duck down, and it would do that, but nothing was ever around me uh, that it would hit. Because uh, it, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you've got to line that hit up. But, and there's a time where, I don't know if it's a Loch Ness monster, if it's a dinosaur, it's a very long-necked dinosaur, pops up, and, I, you know, I crouched down, and, and then it hit it. I had I went through the game for such a long time, not knowing this was even an attack. Well, it, 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 it is not like it's a spray can where it constantly shoots out in front of you. It shoots like a little puff yeah. that goes forward and has to hit something directly that it can hurt. And much like the, the bosses that Jeremy had talked about, you can't kick the boss anywhere and do damage to it. You have to hit it in a certain spot. You have to hit it in this giant head. It's very obvious what to do, but the spray's too low to hit a lot of things. You can't kill the flying creatures. Uh, there's like, uh, they look like giant bugs of some sort and... Uh, anything that's not right in front of you at the ground level, you can't use that spray for. So yeah, up until you know you actually randomly hit something with it, you never use it. It's totally worthless. Is that the only specific enemy in the entire game that requires the spray can to kill? 
like the the big dinosaur. I believe so. Um, what makes that spray attack slightly more irritating is that in the original Kato and Ken version of the game, it they literally changed the animation for the U.S. release. Instead of when you lay, you know, instead of Beth being a a spray can, they literally just turn around and fart gas on people. Oh, that's so much better. Oh, come on. So it, they would. It, it's not even like they just changed the heads on the characters because the heads are giant and cartoony, but they actually change that animation. So instead of turning around and bending over and farting at them, they duck down and have this goofy little spray can. That's a game changer. There's a good number of those. Um, I, I don't want to say they're, I mean, they're edits, but I don't know. If, I, mean, I guess the purpose was to not be offensive, but the, the game itself was offensive. So it's they I changed mean, you, that. You got a guy pissing left and right. Well, they removed the actual urine. And the oh, original game had a stream of urine that would come out. Um, when you see, so as you're going through the game as either JJ or Jeff, because you get to pick your character, and as far as I can tell, and I'm willing to argue this all day long, there's no difference between the two, except one of them has glasses. <sighs> I, think, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I, I mean, I, I tried after getting, so, okay, I played this game on and off since I was 11 or 12, and I've never noticed a difference between the two of them, except that one of them has glasses and one of them does not. Jeremy swears that one of them, and I don't know which one is which, uh, has a, a higher jump. Am I, am I right in that? I, I think the, the, the guy without the glasses has a higher jump, and he skids around less when he's actually moving. I am backing this up. I also observed this. Well, perhaps I only use the guy with glasses because he had glasses, and therefore it's much cooler because they're sunglasses. Why wouldn't you use a guy with sunglasses? But I, I tried it after I played it. You know, after you told me that, I went back and tested it out. I didn't notice a massive difference, but maybe if I had them, you know, side by side, maybe I'd notice a difference. Uh, I think both of them kind of control a little floaty, so it wasn't like one was way tighter than the other. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a huge difference because just controlling these guys anyway is really really kind of weird usually in a platform game you fuck up the jumping you know it feels weird when you jump these guys you know it it doesn't feel bad jumping around with these guys it's when they're on land like just walking is when it gets really weird they slide like they're on fucking ice the entire game and it's not like a cool mario inertia effect or anything it's like if you just move to the right like one foot and, and let off the controller he'll slide about two feet forward uh, and, and that just happens all the time. So you'll you'll be just be skating around these levels, running into shit left and right without even trying. It's it's kind of ridiculous. When you're when you're running through the levels as either JJ or Jeff, the other one of those characters is often seen doing things like urinating on a lamppost or hiding in a trash can or, you know, there's a couple times where you see them. It looks like they're hiding behind a bush to get you dressed like a wolf. That's yeah. that's one of the major shifts as well from the the uh, Kato and Ken version. In Kato and Ken, that same character will be in the same spot, but his head will be dark red and making an angry face because they're clearly crapping in public. So when oh. you when you hit them, they jump out and they pull their pants up and they run off the screen. We miss that. <laughs> These are all touches that would have made this game far more appealing to me <laughs> as a kid and now. And all of them were removed. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's kind of a neat touch that the other character makes an appearance in the game. I was under the impression that this was either a two-player simultaneous game or a two-player alternating game. But there's there's no two-player, right, at all? Not at all. All right, so you just pick one of those guys, and having the other guy in the game is kind of weird anyway. Um, but you know they're always trying to trying to do shit to to fuck you up. 
And uh, I, I had more than a few times where, you know, my friend fucking killed me. You know, he's usually in uh, usually by a trash can throwing Coke cans at you uh, just constantly. And sometimes if you get trapped in that, you're fucked. And uh, there, there were definitely more than a few times where that guy uh, just I, I couldn't stand even seeing him on screen sometimes. It's the most infu- it's the deepest cut of all. Uh, it's got to be the worst way to die on there. It's the most infuriating. Because, I mean, these two, I don't know if we've have spoke of the story, but there's a guy missing and you're going to find him. That's it. Uh, and these two, they should be working together for a common cause. Uh, I just can't tell you how infuriated I was. One, when I realized this betrayal was taking place, but to die by it on more than one occasion. But I'll tell you the angriest. I got, at this point in the game, there are springs throughout the level, and sometimes they're necessary. Red springs, you know, they work much like spring would. They send you way up high, uh, usually off the screen, and it, it's helpful to dodge certain things. But there, there are green springs. I didn't encounter a lot. Stay away from them. So I, I jumped on one of those, and the next thing I know, I think I was on maybe two, four, as far as far as the worlds go. And I look up, I hit the spring, and I'm on two, three. And, and I saw a hint before that. You know, the green springs will help you uh, to erase past mistakes. I couldn't decipher that at the time. But for some reason, there is a mechanic in this game that sends you back a level. I don't know. Uh, is there any positive to this at all? It's. I think it's because if you don't find the key. You have to go back to the previous level. Oh, well, I had the damn key. They should disable the thing if you have the key. I, that's the only reason I could see that that's four. I mean, uh, maybe Jeremy knows more, but I, I don't know if there's some that sends you forward or what. But that was the only reason I could think of that there is a green spring that sent you back a level because you can't actually run backwards in the game. You can uh, only go forwards. How assy, though. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was well into that next, that next level. And then all of a sudden I'm doing the previous level again. And then when you finish that previous level, you're back at the beginning of the next level that you were on. I just think if you have the key, they should have just got rid of it altogether or, or maybe just let you backtrack until you find that key. I think it was a horrible, horrible thing to do. Well, if nothing else, it was to lengthen a, a fairly short game. I mean, this game is, is, what, a half an hour long if you know what you're doing start to finish? Maybe an hour on a bad day? It's it's another short game. I mean, Keith Courage was fairly short. Um, a lot of those those Turbo Graphics games was pretty short. Uh, I guess because you know they weren't a lot of continues. That the system doesn't have a built-in save unless you buy the CD attachment. Everything else you have to do passwords, and no one liked passwords even then. But this is this is definitely it's definitely a weird game. Uh, I don't even know. Like playing through this again, I'm not quite sure. I'm not the kind of person that likes to start a level in like Mario or something else and not get everything. You know, I don't want to just do a speed run unless it says it's a speed run. I feel like I'm missing something. So in this game, I think the way to to really enjoy it is to not kick everything and take all day long. You'll have to kick those things you need. You should learn them eventually over time, I guess. But if you sit there and try to kick every single thing you can kick to get to the next level, you're going to spend days on this game. Well, my, yeah, my strategy for this game was much like Keith Courage, and I don't know if this is a Turbo Graphics thing or what, but it was just avoid everything and move forward as quickly as possible. And then mm-hmm. when I got on that next to the last uh, stage for the world, like uh, one three or two three, look for the fucking key because that's usually when it shows up. So otherwise, I was just going nonstop. Well, that's you know once I realized playing it through this time that this is essentially the same game as Wonder Boy or Adventure Island. I mean, that's what I always did with those games. There was no reason to take your time and do everything in those games. It was just get to the end as fast as possible because your life is running out. You don't want to waste time. And for some reason, that never clicked with me before. Like, I spent every time I played this game before, I would just sit there and make sure I kicked every single thing that gave you a coin or gave you some fruit or whatever. And it was just for points or for coins it was to use in their terrible slot machine game. This is the first game ever with a slot machine that I did not enjoy. And that's a, that's a hard to, that's hard to do. There are games that I'll anything. play. Well, you can win, you can win health of them and you can win extra life and you can win more coins, but that's it. Mm. It's not enjoyable. There doesn't seem to be a way to like game the system with it. It's just an unenjoyable, very slow 
slot machine game that shows up at some of those random rooms. Instead of being a guy who reads you a poem and, and gives you health, it's a slot machine. Now, it's, it's helpful in hearts where you get to those parts of the level and you're low on life because at least it's a way to refill your life. But otherwise, it's a chore. No slot machines should feel like a chore. This game was a chore. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that, that may be a turbo graphics thing, um, this is now two for two with games with characters that are, like, way bigger than they should be. Yeah. Like, the, the sprites are big. They are huge, uh, especially for a time when, you know, this was kind of going up against uh, NES games or something. Uh, but yeah, everything is way too big, and I, I think that really um, kept me from from being as precise as I wanted to be. Because it seemed like anything that was coming at me forward from on screen from in front of me only had a few feet in front of me before it was actually hitting me. So unless I memorized that shit, it was going to hit me the first time. And Keith Courage did the exact same thing. And I know back then it was all popular to have huge characters because you know most games didn't do that. But it's this is just a detriment to the actual game. They should have been about half the size, and I think the game would have actually been a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it's a turbo graphics thing, uh, but but then as I think about that, you know, Keith Courage, it actually it's three for three because Splatterhouse he's pretty big in that too. It works in that situation, but it's still a game where the character is about a third of the size of the screen. Um, you know, and then this and then JJ and Jeff they're also very big. And then thinking back to other games I, I've had on and off over the years china warrior your character is about two-thirds of the size of the screen he's huge uh in that game and uh there's a jackie chan action game where he's about as big as jj and jeff a lot of their games had large characters and i don't know exactly why uh, maybe it's just because the system could handle making a character that big maybe the nintendo really couldn't do it well and, and so this was their their way to show off what their system could do over the competition i don't know um, but it's definitely, maybe you're right, it is a TurboGrafx thing. What is a TurboGrafx thing is how you asked if this was two players and it's not. The TurboGrafx only had one joystick input. To have other than one character on a game, you either had to have a game where you trade off the controller left to right, which there weren't many that did that, or you had to buy a $40 multi-tap and additional controllers to play anything multiplayer. So other than their sports games uh, and, and a handful of other games, they really didn't do a lot of multiplayer on the TurboGrafx at all. That's that's really weird. You know, I think at the time, two two controllers was sta- well. The Famicom wasn't really. You had to daisy chain that together. But but in the U.S. it was. I mean, Nintendo was two controllers. The yeah, Sega Master yeah. System was two controllers. The Genesis was two. Everything that came out was two. And for whatever reason, TurboGrafx was one by itself. That's that's so weird. And and the fact that the the adapter was forty dollars. I mean, that wasn't chump change back then. That's. You know, you go to the Toys R Us and you're like, hey, do I want to buy a game or a, or a fucking adapter to you know, let my friend play with me? And probably going to choose a, a game. Anytime. Yeah, it may have even been 30 and not 40, but still $30 back then. You're right. That's still a game. I mean, you still yeah. would rather buy a game than, than buying because then you also have to buy another controller. So you're still going to drop another 20 to $30 on another controller, too, because it only came with one controller because it is one controller port. So the, the, the lack of two players is not surprising on this one. But um to get back to the game itself, instead of just general Turbo Graphics uh, items, so you go through the four levels, you find the key you need uh, to get to the last boss of the level, and the boss of the level is larger than you are, so he's easily half the size of the screen, and I'm not quite sure who they're supposed to be. They're just supposed to be some sort of like punk gang members. It's not; they're not very descriptive. The story is non-existent. So every four levels ends with essentially a different colored version, different, different, slightly. Uh, um, altered version of the exact same boss six times in a row <laughs> the exact same boss over and over again do they even get harder i think i think i think i don't know if they get harder they get slightly more bearded each time though <laughs> well i mean that, yeah, that I was, is I was tougher. excited to see uh, uh nwo uh, macho man make a <laughs> rare cameo appearance in a turbo graphic 16 game in there well and, that, and that's one of the things like when i said it was repetitive before it wasn't like i didn't feel at the time that there was anything new to see after the first you know time you you get through one four and then two four you're like yep i've seen everything this game has to offer there's more game coming i don't necessarily need to see it it is very repetitive i mean the only thing that changes is just the layouts of the stages the the enemies i think there's only like six or seven in the entire game and the bosses themselves like billy said they only change in appearance they don't 
they don't do anything different. Every single one of them will just they'll stand there, they'll throw a couple of boulders at you, you dodge them, you run up and you you try to kick them in the head if if you can manage to do that. Do that four times, you beat them. Every single one of them. So once you beat the first level boss, you beat every boss in the game. You just have to do it six times again. You know, so, and that, it's so disappointing because, I, I mean, the, the first level boss, and I guess that means all of them by default, are, are very, I think, well done characters, especially for the time. I would have been very impressed with that uh, as a kid. And I saw, you know, this big boss when I get on there. And, and I was actually excited uh, if for the first time in the game to see what the other bosses were going to look like. Because usually, typically in a game, you know, the bosses just kind of get tougher and they kind of get bigger as you go along. And, I mean, you're already starting off with this guy that's taken up, you know, a good bit of the screen. Uh, and, but when I came to the second boss, it was a, eh, all right. And then when I hit the third one, you know, I kind of knew what was up. And probably the last thing I was holding out for, uh, excitement-wise, completely died out. Well, especially when you find out the last boss is the same exact yeah. guy. It's not, I mean, it's not the same guy, but it's the same essential fight. There's no difference in any of it. They don't, they don't add a lot to it. I mean, I realize that in the world of video games, every Mario level ends with, you know, not fighting Bowser and jumping on the end of a bridge and he falls into lava. But for some reason, maybe it's because they added enough things around him and because you weren't fighting him by kicking him in the face over and over again. That didn't bother me. This time it really just... I, I it was the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm glad I'm finishing this for the game. I'm never ever touching this again. How how did you actually finish this back in the day? Because I didn't. <laughs> really, I thought you <laughs> actually beat this. Back no, no, then. no. I beat it for this for the for this podcast. But it, before when I had played, I mean, I had gotten pretty far in it, and I had looked up since then, you know, uh, on the internet what what the rest of the game is like. And that's when I was like, oh, well, guess I'm glad I didn't waste time on this thing. But uh, when you guys mentioned it, I was like, yeah, we could do JJ and Jeff. Perhaps I need to give it another shot, despite that I know exactly what I'm getting into. And I was wrong. Even I'm going to say JJ and Jeff not recommended. It's not a very good game. Uh, it, it does explain, it, it, you know, a lot of the games on the first run of the TurboGrafx games were very similar to this, where you can tell it's that, that it's got the mechanics of a game, but somewhere along the line, someone just stopped trying. So, like, they built the first level, and they were like, ah, just copy it a couple times, we're good. And a lot of their games feel very much like that in the first run. It isn't until you get to the CD edition and, and some of the later games that you really get some, some amazing games outside of shooters. They had good shooters from the get-go, but everything else feels a lot like this. Just taped together pieces of what could be an interesting game that's not fully fleshed out. I can't wait to get to those games. <laughs> if, if we have to do a, another... Uh, a real banger like JJ and Jeff here for the Turbo Graphics 16. I, I'm almost tossing this system off. This is this is really something right here. You know, and I, I said the first time we were doing a Turbo Graphics game, but this was a system uh, that that I never owned, and I spent my entire childhood wanting. Yes, and on into my adulthood, uh, so angry, so bitter that I never had a Turbo Graphics. I missed out on all the fun and, and Jeremy P I want to thank you yet again <laughs> for, for letting me know my years spent without the turbo graphics were a blessing so far. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm willing to play a turbo graph. Uh, Splatterhouse was decent, but uh, even it was done better on the Genesis. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm ready and willing to play a good turbo graphics 16 game. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's maybe there's one out there. There, there are definitely some great Turbo Graphics games out there, but we have not hit them yet. We will definitely hit them soon, but we will not hit them next week because next week we're going to go to a new system, well, an old system that we have not done yet on the show, so it's new for us: the Sega Master System, and we're going to try to take on uh, Golden Axe Warrior. That's it's another one I have played before. I did not beat it before. Uh, and I'm looking forward to playing it now. Uh, that is available on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 Genesis collections. Um, so if, if you're looking for next game, that's the one that's going to be. But as I said at the start of the show, this is the first show of 2016. And, uh, you know, instead of a listener question this week, I'd kind of just like to look back at 2015. And, it, you know, what was the game you were the most, uh, I guess, the best game for you in 2015, Jeremy? 
I, I kind of went the whole year and it seemed like I played a total of four games. It, it just turned out that those four games were excruciatingly long. Uh, I played uh, the ones that really stick out in my head were, were Bloodborne, uh, Batman Arkham Knight, Witcher 3, and Fallout 4. Those, those, three, those four games seem to have taken up my entire year. And for the one that I think um, that I like the most, uh, it, it's probably Bloodborne. I think that game is one of the few games that I have really gotten so into that every little detail I could find or search out for, um, you know, it was, I, I was just obsessed with it. I wanted to find out everything I could about that game. Mm-hmm. The setting, the the monsters, it was just, it was so great. And I, I know you're a big fan of the Dark Souls games and, and stuff like that. And, and Bloodborne is is just that and, and so much more. I enjoy that game a, a hell of a lot more than I do the, the Dark Souls games. But yeah, I, that one was, uh, I, I was obsessed with that one. Is it just the mechanics of the Dark Souls that you weren't really into? Because the, as far as the background and the, the little tweaks that make you hunt things down and try to figure what you can on your own because they don't tell you anything, that's, that's what I loved about Dark Souls. Uh, no, it's, it's more so that uh, Bloodborne is much faster paced. Like, it's much more offensive than it is defensive. You don't even get a shield. You can get a shield, but literally the uh, tooltip for the, the shield is like, you know, like something like only weaklings use this. It, it wants you to go at things uh, and just head on. You know, you've got a dodge that you can move, use. And uh, all the weapons are, are very much designed for just going at someone constantly. There's, there's uh, more of a, a defensive style in the, the other Souls games that I enjoy. I like those games. But something about Bloodborne and making that, that style of game faster really appealed to me. And that, that was one of the big things that really drew me to that game. Well, I thought for a while what my favorite game from last year was. And unfortunately, since the beginning of December, all I played is Xenoblade Chronicles. My original thought was, oh, it's clearly Xenoblade Chronicles. But that's that's not the best game of 2015. I'm not going to come back to that game after whatever time I'm done with it and probably play it again anytime, you know, remotely after finishing it because it's an MMO. I'm going to do everything I can, spend a lot of time on it, and then be done with it. But, but the one game I bought last year that I'm going to play over and over again even if it's just in small bursts, is Mario Maker. I think Super Mario Maker is the most interesting game that came out last year. I think that um, overall it's the game I'll play the most for the next year that came out this year. I mean, they keep adding, Nintendo keeps adding little things to it. They add uh, new new graphics you can use. They've added checkpoints in. They've added their own, um, they're like event levels where every couple weeks they put out a new level that's either designed by Nintendo or someone they send a level to design to and it gives you a new a new skin for Mario if you beat that level, and they're, they're, some of them are pretty hard. I mean, as long as they keep putting time and effort into into keeping the community moving, I think that's a game that's going to last me for the, the lifetime of my Wii U. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any of the other new systems, like I've said several hundred times. So my, my limited of what, what was the greatest game of 2015, very narrow. But I'll, I'll tell you, uh, before I go on to mine, uh, Mario Maker is, is way up there. And I am also, I'm very, very pleased and, and kind of surprised by the amount of support uh, Nintendo continues to put out for it as far as, as content goes. But I, I felt like I played a lot of, of a lot of games this year, but not a lot of them stand out when I think back. Uh, I, I've actually probably played through the most games this year I have in a long, or 2015, obviously, that I have in a, a long time. Uh, but like Jeremy, I had a, a few I spent a lot of time on. Arkham Knight uh, was an excellent game. Uh, Fallout was a late entry that almost uh, was my favorite one. Uh, and, you know, eventually once all the DLC comes out for that, uh, I'm sure I'm going to be playing that throughout this year also. My favorite one still, and it's probably the one I put the most time into, was that Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, I know it's, it's one of those that people either loved or hated. Uh, I really enjoyed it as a, a longtime Metal Gear fan. I was completely satisfied by it uh and i'm still playing it now i'm playing the online portion and i'm also kind of replaying some of the older missions and still unlocking some of the uh new gear and and that was it for me uh because i love stealth games and this was probably the best stealth game to be made yet well i know a lot of people share that opinion metal gear solid 5 being game of the year i'm pretty sure it'll win game of the year many of the um you know, I guess if there are still magazines, uh, but definitely internet sites, and you know, I'm sure Kotaku will put on their top ten. 
I don't want to do what the worst game is because that's always very subjective. But but what's the most disappointing game for you that came out this year or that you played this year, uh, Billy? The most disappointing. And and this is I think this one probably hurt the most. And this is not 2015. Uh, this was like a November, December 2014 release. But I am very cheap and almost never buy games immediately and I wait until they're extraordinarily uh, reduced in price before I pick them up. But actually, I borrowed this one off my, my son, who was, who was kind enough uh, to lend this to his father. And I should have suspected because he was lending this to me about a month after it came out. Uh, usually he holds on tight to those things for, for, for several months until he's finished. But he was more than happy to let me borrow this one. And this was that Watch Dogs and, and uh, there was so much hype surrounding this game, and it was one of those with you know with the, the real delayed uh, development, which is uh, pretty much a, an awful sign. But for some reason, I still ignore that and keep my hopes up. Uh, and it came out, and you know everything leading up to it showed this this just remarkable kind of uh, revolutionary hacking mechanic uh, in the game, where you pretty much could uh, do anything with any of the electronics. Uh, in your environment, like if there's a high-speed chase, uh, you could uh, immediately change the traffic lights so the person chasing you would get would get caught in traffic. Uh, uh, there are all kinds of things. Uh, but when I played it, I found it was uh, nothing more than just, you know, you, you hit a button, sometimes something blows up, uh, traffic lights change, but it doesn't really affect anything. Uh, and just everything from the voice acting to the controls to everything, it just kind of gave off the impression that, you know, they, they were, they knew they couldn't keep people waiting forever. This is what we got. It's not what we promised, but it's what we're going to put out. And, oh, it, it really showed. And I got maybe, uh, at best, maybe four or five hours in and I was done and with no real desire to ever go back. Thankfully, I didn't play that. Uh, did you play that one, Jeremy? I did. I actually um, played it quite a bit, and I think it just kind of came out in a time where there wasn't much else to play, or I didn't have anything else to play. So I ended up beating it. I think I, I came pretty close to just 100%ing it. I, I did all the terrible side missions. I I didn't do the whole collecting the songs thing because it's just not worth it. Um, it, you know, it's got some interesting ideas, but it really just feels like a a really generic Grand Theft Auto with with a couple of little things in it that that stand out. And the hacking is is such a missed opportunity for that game because you know it could have been amazing, but it just turns into just a a really basic uh, button mashing puzzle, kind of like the the hacking in Bioshock One, but not even in, as good as that. So, you know, I I can't say I really enjoyed it, but I did play it a good deal. And uh, when Billy actually said that uh, Watch Dogs was his most disappointed game, disappointing game, I had to think for a minute just to remember what wa- Watch Dogs was, because I was actually thinking that it was uh, Sleeping Dogs, oh, which that's is a, a terrific game. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? That's, <laughs> that's like <laughs> way better than than Watch Dogs. But no, Watch Dogs does deserve that honor. It is incredibly disappointing and. Could have been so much better. So what was your disappointing, most disappointing game of 2015, Jeremy? Well, this one might actually put Billy to bed right now because it was Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh, come on. Well, uh, that's actually that causing game. people to unsubscribe from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, You know, it, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad game. I think it's probably, the, like I've said it before, I think it's the best playing Metal Gear that's ever been out. And um, But it's, it, I came to that game wanting the story. You know, I, I really want the story to that game and, and to see what happens to big boss and, and, uh, the origins of outer heaven and stuff like that. And I didn't get it. You know, it was just a really strange story all the way through, especially the twist at the end. Um, that is probably one of the more disappointing twists I've ever seen in a Did game. You think I, I felt the opposite about it. I, 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 I was what all they, right with it. I mean, I, I, it, it's, it's neat what they did, and that's a hell of a twist to pull on somebody. Um, and I was actually kind of uh, suspecting that whenever you first start the game. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil anything for, for anybody that's not played it. Um, 
But there's there's definitely a hell of a twist at the end that uh, you, you could probably see coming from a mile away. But and the only reason I, I found that disappointing was it just that wasn't the game I wanted. I wanted the other game that was happening apparently somewhere else. And what I got was a very good stealth game, but it wasn't the Metal Gear game that I wanted, especially after Metal Gear Solid Four and just how amazing and crazy that game was. I, I don't know why I've never been... I mean, I, I want to like all the Metal Gear Solid games. I just... After the first Metal Gear Solid, I just can't get into them. I, I don't know why I bought collection the collection with 2 and 3 on it for the Vita because I thought, well, now that I have a Vita and all this time where I can play a game like that, I just I can't get into them. I don't know what it is about the game that I'm not... It's not clicking with me. So, I, I mean, I, I guess I can see that. Uh, that might not be exactly what you want it to be, making it the most disappointing. Um I couldn't think about something that I was really disappointed in this year because I only own a Wii U. So literally everything except for Mario Maker is disappointing in 2015. I there's not, you know, I I bought um Smash Brothers because there wasn't much there. I hate Smash Brothers. I mean, I like this iteration of Smash Brothers enough, I guess, but it's not the kind of game I like. Uh I'm not a big fighter anyway, but I even when I did like fighters, that game is too much chaos. So it's it's not really my kind of fighting game, even. Uh, there aren't a lot of other good games that came out this year for the Wii U. Even Xenoblade Chronicles, I, like I talked about earlier, I, I'm loving it, I'm enjoying it, but it's not what I thought it was going to be when I first heard it announced at all. I mean, I, it's nothing like... I mean, it, it gameplay-wise, it plays a lot like the original Xenoblade Chronicles, but, but since it's all not tied together with a story that seems to really be interesting, I feel like I'm just playing an MMO just with no friends, which is how I normally played MMOs. But it's just not what I thought it would be. I don't know if it's, you know, hopefully in 2016 I will have a newer system and I can try some of the other games that everyone else on Earth is playing that would help me, uh, you know, find other things to be disappointed in. But otherwise, my disappointment was just that I don't didn't have many things to even try to play if I wanted to. Yeah, that I mean, especially with the Wii U, you really you live and die off of Nintendo's games that they put out for that. So you really don't get any of the third party games that, that comes out. So, I mean... Yeah, that that really does suck. So, I guess we should just announce that we're starting a GoFundMe page so so Jeremy <laughs> can get a, uh, a a next gen system so he can stop talking about Wii U games and and Vita games and <laughs> play these other I'll talk, games. Well, and I don't even talk about current Vita games. I talk about playing old games on my Vita. That's <laughs> that's pretty much what I've used it for exclusively. Like Final Fantasy Nine, I finally got to play it this year. Loved every second of it, but it's not new. Not worth talking about. Um, well, it is worth talking about, but not uh, not in relation to the Vita. You know, you know, Watch Dogs is available for the Wii U now. <laughs> well, see, now I've got that, something to get started that's a, with. That's that's a hot new title. Uh, but yeah, along with the GoFundMe, uh, maybe on our uh, Facebook or Twitter, we're going to post Jeremy P's wife's phone number. <laughs> if you want to call and state the reasons why Jer- she should allow her husband to purchase a new system. Well, I mean, I'm I'll allowed be, to purchase it, that. but I'm also allowed to not fight about it for six months. So I'm not going to buy one right now. Uh, but I, I will have one in 2016. I'm looking very forward to next year, Dark Souls three. I, yes. I know I didn't get Bloodborne, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not going to buy Dark Souls three on on the 360 if it's even going to be coming out for those systems. I've got to have a new system for Dark Souls three. Dark Souls. One and two are two of my favorite games in the last console generation. So I'm I'm looking forward to Dark Souls three with with an uncontrollable amount. That I think I'm going to be let down by it because I'm looking forward to it that much. But that said, I'm still going to play it. I've got to play through it as fast as possible when it comes out, so that everyone doesn't get worlds better than me and destroy me in multiplayer like it will happen anyway. Um, but also, I'm very excited about the if it even comes out next year. I don't know if it has a date, but the um, Whatever the next game from the Shadow of the Colossus on Ico people was. I forgot the name. Last Guardian. Last I think that's Guardian. coming out next year. That's for PS4. So I will have a PS4, and that's the reason why. I'm looking forward to those games. But since you guys don't you know, have to worry about buying a new system because you have them, what are you looking forward to, Billy? Oh, I'm looking... Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that No Man's Sky. Uh, that, everything I see about that seems very interesting. I mean, I, I don't really know a ton of details about it, uh, but there is a... a, a great amount of hype behind it everyone is very excited uh so with all that in mind uh, i'm going to predict that's going to be my biggest disappointment of 2016 <laughs> more than likely but no i'm I, I keep the wii u keep the thing going because we're going to get some zelda next this year hopefully 
the new Zelda for the Wii U will come around. Uh, they still haven't given it a date, but I think they have locked in 2016. I'm sure it'll probably be towards the end. But that is the that's that's even with all with the other systems I have, that's the one this year that I am looking forward to the most. And the good thing about Zelda games, uh, there's uh, well the main you know the main Zelda games is there's very uh, little room for disappointment with those usually. They usually knock it out of the park with those. Well, if, and if nothing else, you get that HD remake of Twilight Princess coming That's out. That's right. Which I don't know if I think is a good thing or not. I, I like Twilight Princess enough, but I also remember many times in that game where I was just like, why am I playing this? Except that I only had one game for the Wii U and it was that, or the original Wii, so I played it. So Jeremy, what is it you're looking forward to in 2016? I think it's a game that I'm going to get here fairly soon, and uh, it's Street Fighter V. You don't get a, a Street Fighter very often, and this one, from everything I've seen, uh, even the new characters, which I generally dislike uh, when they, they bring out new characters in Street Fighter because they're all terrible except maybe one or two, this one looks like it is, uh, it, it's going to be great. I, I really love the art style in it. Uh, it's definitely got a more, uh, I wouldn't call it Western style, but it's a more... Uh, a, a gritty style than what these the super anime style that was in Street Fighter 4 and what they've been using what Capcom's been using for their fighters now since like the, the beginning of the 360 so I'm super excited for that game that is uh that is high up on my list and I believe that comes out here in the next couple three months or so so, I believe so. that one will be uh that one's definitely up there and speaking of Getting uh, myself set up for disappointment, I'm really looking forward to that one PS4 exclusive, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. And I don't know if you guys have seen uh, any any video of that or the trailers, but that game looks amazing. It, ju- it looks like an action RPG set in a, uh, a post-apocalyptic future where everything's kind of grown over in jungles and forests now, and you are playing this... Uh, uh, this girl that kind of, you know, they, they have technology, but they're still using bows and stuff like that for some reason. And you're actually fighting robot dinosaurs. So that game, it if anything else, it looks absolutely amazing in those trailers. And I'm really hoping that it that it ends up being as, as good as what, you know, it, it looks. So I, I but I, I really don't have much hope for it because usually um, the guys that are making those games, I don't think I've ever really liked a guerrilla game guerrilla games game mm-hmm. so we'll see let me ask you street fighter 5 is, is vega back he is and he will uh i will not once... be playing you in street fighter <laughs> you've never seen anything so cheap never <laughs> i i can't promise that he's he's uh up to par with my street fighter 4 vega but oh. um I, i've got high hopes for him as well well, I believe I'm the worst Street Fighter player on Earth, so I will probably still play it, but I will not be good at it in any way, shape, or form. So you, I can look forward to losing to everybody as every character. You know, I do want to mention real quick before we go, especially with, with all of the, the Wii U talk that we do, we, none of us ended up with Splatoon, did we? No, I tried the demo on the demo weekends, and I just, it didn't click with me at all. I, I can see how it would be a lot of fun, but... Um, just it, it's not the kind of game I'm going to put the time into to be good at it. Yeah, and uh, and I, I didn't get around to the demo. It was always at, at odd times for me, uh, schedule wise. Uh, but the the reason I didn't is I I had a lot of friends who were interested, but nobody else ever picked it up. And I, I just assumed, uh, like most Nintendo games, uh, the more friends, the more people you actually know you're playing with, the the more fun it is. And you know with uh, absolutely zero people that i know playing it i just kind of let it pass and at least during the demo period there was no way to do a pre like a friends group it was mm-hmm. always just join our servers you get randomly join up with people and 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 while that's fine it is the kind of game that i would definitely like to play with people i know a lot more yeah. so but yeah that's not one we got but uh yeah, I, we'll have a lot more to talk about in the Wii U, I'm sure, in the coming year, because they have at least one more game coming out. But uh, <laughs> but until that happens, we do have next show's game, which, as I said before, will be Golden Axe Warrior for the Sega Master System. Uh, this one is as close to The Legend of Zelda as you can get without being The Legend of Zelda. I'm very excited to play it again. Uh, I have nothing but praise for it from before. So we'll see if that held up as well as I thought it did. Uh, until then, please check out Retrovania.net. We're updating again, I believe, now that the new year has started. Uh, We'll have constant content there, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks.